Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, Conversations About Impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self meets the world and contributes to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Fred Halstead. Fred is the author of Leadership Skills That Inspire Incredible Results. His executive search consulting career began in 1978, and since then, he's worked with over 200 organizations, including his work as an executive coach. Fred served as an officer in the United States Air Force, and he's married with three granddaughters and lives in Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the podcast, Fred. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you, Ursula. It's great to join you and uh, to meet you over the phone. (laughs) Well, um, in your book, The Leadership Skills That Inspire Incredible Results, you start the book with a story about a CEO who realized that despite past success, that he had to change his leadership style, that he had to, in essence, change himself to have the impact that he wanted to have with his company. And uh, that's not an easy thing for leaders to accept and even harder to do, but it's one that successful leaders at least uh, face in some form uh, or another. How does openness to change really increase a leader's impact, do you think? Well, I think it increases it tremendously. Openness, I'm going to assume that you're referring to openness in the sense of being open to change. Yes. Open to new thinking, new ideas. Uh, I believe it's essential. And yet these changes, as you pointed out, are so difficult. So in my coaching and in the book, Leaders, uh, Leadership That Inspires Incredible Results, I spend a good bit of time on talking about and asking people about what it is that motivates them to make the changes. Because without a solid motivation, it's so difficult to make these kinds of changes. Mm-hmm. So this man you referred to was a young guy. He had been highly successful and he found that just really telling people what to do, being the brightest guy in the room, having all the answers was not sustainable. So that was the one of the biggest lessons there that you really need to rely on other people. And the book is designed to help you do that skillfully. Hmm. So what motivates people to change? What, what did you find? What have you found in your work are the kinds of motivators that are most powerful? It, it is very personal thing, Ursula. So each of us have a different value system. We, we have different thoughts about who we ought to be. And so for me, and actually for a number of my clients, one of the key motivators is respecting other people. So all of the skills I talk about in this book have an underlying theme of if you truly want to respect other people, 
you're going to be a better listener. You're going to ask better questions. You're going to bring out other people's best thinking and so forth. So that's a huge motivator. Sometimes a key motivator for some people can be fear. I'm, boy, I sure don't want to fail. And in the case of the man that I referenced in the beginning of the book, that was a key motivator for him. Another one is pride. Uh, I have this pride that, by gosh, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be the best I can be. So it varies really greatly from person to person. Well, one of the things that you said in the book, and I I wrote down this quote because I really liked it. it, You wrote, leaders who truly want others to succeed are the ones who achieve the greatest personal success. So is wanting to help others a potential motivator for significant change? It sure is. It sure is. And it almost sounds counterintuitive to so many people because it's easy to think I really need to concentrate on my success, my career, and look good. When in point of fact, my experience for the last 40 years as an executive search consultant, the last 15 as an executive coach, is that those people who truly, genuinely want everyone around them to be successful will themselves be far more successful than they would be otherwise. The extra bonus there, of course, is that not only are you more successful, but you're going to be more highly respected by others. And in point of fact, you may well respect yourself even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you also talk about Simon Sinek's book. Um, uh, you mentioned his work as well yes. um, as, as sort of being part of a larger picture, a larger vision. Is that something that you find motivates people or, or not so much? Yes. In my uh, individual coaching, one of the things I ask people right from the beginning is, what is it that motivates and drives you? In essence, what is your why? Mm -hmm. And who do you want to be as a person? Who do you want to be as a leader? And what are your values? What's the foundation upon which you operate? So all of those things respond to the personal why uh, that uh, Cynic talks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's such a great question. How, who do you want to be as a person? Who do you want to be as a leader? Because I think sometimes we get into a very reactive mode or you get um, into a pattern based on experiences you've had and you just end up perpetuating those, but you're suggesting a very much more conscious way of approaching leadership and and your own personal development. Yes, yes. And for those people that I've coached, this idea of having both the anchor and the rudder, are particularly the rudder, are very important. So as you go through every day and every minute, what is it that's really motivating and guiding you? If you're not really clear about that, it's easy to do or say something that later you're going to regret that really isn't going to be part of you or isn't going to be expressive of who you really are as a person and as a leader. Yeah. I like that metaphor of the anchor and the rudder. That's a great, it's a great uh, way of thinking about it. In your book, you, you talk about six fundamental abilities to focus on to 
inspire incredible results. And uh, can you tell us briefly what are they? And then we can go into each one in more depth, but just to give people an overview. Sure, be delighted to. So the first is listening. And that tends to get the most attention, in part because it's so obvious that the better listener we, we are, the more happy and successful we're going to be. It's, in some ways, one of the more difficult ones. We, none of us were natural listeners. We're more natural talkers. Isn't it more fun to talk than to listen? Um, <laughs> So that gets a lot of attention and going back to what I said about motivation, kind of helping people to better understand what it is that will motivate them personally to become better listeners, as well as pointing out barriers to listening. The next one is a follow-on, really in an extension of listening, and that's asking questions. Most people that I've coached and had experience with don't think of it that way. They think of asking questions as sort of a separate uh, activity. Actually, when we listen to someone, the questions, the great questions that we can ask them will come from our focused listening to them because they're integral to what they just said. They're integral to developing their best thinking. They're integral to developing more information. So great questions. You said we're going to go into that more, but I'll mention just now, probably again. The key word there is what? Great questions will start with what? The third thing is the combination of those two. And that is bring out other people's best thinking. The people that I work with are all smart people. And most of them take delight, like every other human being, in demonstrating just how smart they are. So it's real easy when someone comes to you and says, Ursula, got this problem, what do you think I ought to do? And you tell her what you what she ought to do because you're smart, you know, and you've had that experience. Well, my recommendation is you step back. You say, wait a minute, Sally. Um, you don't say, wait a minute, but you think, wait a minute. And you start <laughs> asking her questions. And you bring out her best thinking, but because you've asked the questions, your best thinking is projected through that. There's another quote in the book that's, uh, the less we worry about appearing smart, the smarter we will appear to be by just listening and asking smart questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. Asking good questions is such a powerful process for the other person because it's self-discovery at the same time that you're bringing out their best thinking, as you said. Yes, yes. So another one is the genuine acknowledgments. This is one that People can easily misunderstand from the standpoint of, we think of the word compliment. I'm going to give you a compliment. Well, there's a substantial difference between a genuine acknowledgement and a compliment. A compliment is something that you say that's nice to a person. It's something that you've observed. It usually relates to a visual sensation or session. You know, you, it's a pretty dress, a good-looking 
tie, nice shoes, whatever it is. Well, that makes a person feel good. But the genuine acknowledgement really gets to the heart and soul of the person and inspires that person. So this book is a whole lot about inspiring other people. And the genuine acknowledgement is a great way to do that. And because it's always factual and genuine, it's hard to overuse. It will never seem to be trite because it comes from your mind and your heart. Then there's some discussion about uh, developing a culture of consistent accountability. Here, this element is another aspect of it we don't normally think about is respect. When you, when you hold someone accountable, you are respecting them. You're showing your respect for them. When you give them a pass, you're saying maybe subconsciously, yeah, I didn't really expect you to be able to do it. My expectations of you aren't that high. The same thing applies to delegating from the standpoint of when you give someone a task or opportunity to do something that's important, you're showing your respect for them. You're showing that you have high expectations for them. So particularly for those entrepreneurs and anyone in a corporate environment who thinks, yeah, I just, this other person is so busy and I don't want to give them more work. Think more about what it's going to mean to them in terms of showing your respect for them, that they can do this and what it's going to mean for them in terms of the development of their career. Yeah. Well, thank you for that overview. I, I think that the, um, there's, there's, uh, in that area of listening, the first one that you mentioned is, uh, I mean, you talk about, um, the way that you, we make judgments and our own biases and ego come into play. Um, how does, how do we kind of get past those things to become a great listener? It's tough. You have to really be focused on it and aware of it. Uh, I list in the book several what I call inhibitors to listening. And one of them certainly is your ego. And that that's a tough one for some people from the standpoint that they are so anxious to talk rather than to listen, to show how smart they are. If somehow we can just get our mind around if we really want to be smart, appear smart, we will listen hard and ask great questions, and people will think we're much smarter than we actually are. <laughs> Particularly when, when I was in the executive search business, I, several times I had people say, Fred, well, you know a lot about this. And I was thinking, gosh, I don't know much at all about it. And yet, because I asked, really listened and asked questions, they thought I was a lot smarter than I was. Well, one of the things that you mentioned in talking about listening is, is you recommend that people know and believe your purpose in listening. And that's not something I've heard before around listening. Can you tell mm -hmm. us more about that? Yes. I, and that, that really is key and is resonated extremely well with everyone to whom I've uh, given the program I call Skills That Inspire Incredible Results. So that's 
giving that program has allowed me to get feedback on these skills and how important they've been to people. Whenever we go into any sort of meeting or conversation, if we literally can take maybe from five to 15 seconds to think, okay, Fred, what is your real purpose here? What do you want to accomplish? When you do that, you have a much better chance of being a good listener. You have a much better chance of meeting the objectives that you truly want to meet. So as a for instance, if you're going to be talking to someone and you stop and you say, okay, what's my purpose in, in talking to this person and listening to this person? Well, one obvious thing might be to gain information from that person. Another obvious thing might be to give that person information. But what if another one that you truly want to do and you wouldn't think about unless you were very purposeful is I want this person to understand that I respect her. I want this person to understand that I definitely want to hear what he has to say. So then you've got your purpose in mind and it's a whole lot easier to behave in a way that corresponds to your purpose rather than really just sort of winging it. Well, I, I think that's a really uh, great thing to keep in mind. What's your intention for the conversation in order to really bring some focus to it. And rather than getting distracted with other things, it, it helps to focus your listening as well. So, and, yes. in, and first of all, there's a, yeah. I'll just say quickly, there's another aspect to that that has been brought out by people that again, have gone through the, the, and I call the STIR program. And that is that, and it's natural when you think about it, um, it makes a big difference with your spouse, your children, your friends. So mm -hmm. even when you're going to be talking to your husband or wife, whatever, uh, boy, if you think, okay, just for a couple seconds, I want this person to know that I love them. I want this person to know that I respect them. Think about what a difference that will make in your ability to put down your iPad, iPhone, whatever, and truly listen to them. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more powerful than being really listened to and knowing that you're being listened to. That's, uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Well, in, in the realm of asking powerful questions, which is uh, kind of a counterpoint to the listening aspect, what, what's an example of a client where uh, that really is something they were able to develop and they really saw the benefits of that. There's a, a woman who has responsibility for a very large um, organization. And she, I believe, was known as a pretty good listener. She has really focused on asking questions that begin with what? difference there between what, why, how is quite substantial. And yet it takes focus because we're not used to that. We're sometimes more prone to ask questions that are closed-ended. Is this it or is that it? 
yeah. or to ask multiple choice questions. First of all, I really want to know what you think about this. I think maybe blah, 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 blah. So is it A, B, or C? And you're thinking, no, Fred, it's really D. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and yet, if I'm your boss, I, I kind of close that off, or it makes it more difficult to say it's D. You have to be brave in order to bring out your own view on that. If your boss mm -hmm. just told you what you what they thought, so the the she has used far more questions that begin with what, and what she has found is that she is developing the best thinking of other people. She's hearing more great ideas. People seem to be more inspired to create their own solutions. And because they did that, uh, then they're more inspired to be successful in taking out, implementing their own solutions. Mm -hmm. So there's powerful questions that start with what, over and over have been demonstrated to make a big difference. People will catch themselves. Oh, wait a minute, you gotta start with what? <laughs> and. Uh, it's well worth the focus. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things you talk about in the book too is about developing others' best thinking. And the, the thing that struck me most about that is assumptions that we make around how we're going to do that as leaders. And I think for a lot of people, first of all, we don't necessarily know how to do that, but also I, there are things that you, that, we assume about that kind of a process that is um, going to hold us back from, from developing that skill. What are, what are some of the things that pop up in people's mind, the assumptions about, well, I can't do that because? Well, one of the biggest ones is this old, you mentioned the word ego, tied to, well, gosh, if I don't give the answer to this, then I'm not going to be as happy because I won't show my direct intelligence and the other person expects me to give the answer. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing when you bring out the other person's best thinking by listening and asking what questions is you really honor them. Plus you truly motivate and inspire them. We've all been in situations where we have literally said, or maybe just thought, yeah, the boss wants me to do this. So uh, George said, we're going to do this, guys, so we need to do it. Well, what if it was, hey, I came up with this, and here's what we're going to do. And because I verbalized it, because I've articulated it, in most cases, to my boss, as to what the plan is, I understand it better. I'm bought into it. As opposed to this other person understands it, said we're going to do it, and by gosh, we're going to do it. So there's, a, there's really a huge difference potentially in the outcome. Right. Yeah, there's a buy-in that you, that you start off with that allows people to be a lot more engaged. Yes, yes. So... And, and part of this goes back again to what's going to motivate you to do this. Because, as I mentioned before, we all want to 
appear to be smart. And most of us are smart. And so we feel initially like we're giving that up. We're not demonstrating how smart we are. We're letting the other people, the other person or people be the smart ones. Right. And that takes a certain... Satisfying. Right. Well, it takes a certain level of self-confidence to allow other people to give them space rather than using the opportunity to show off your own expertise. Yes. Yep. Yes. And what happens there, and I've seen this many times, what happens is when you listen and ask people really powerful questions to bring out their thinking, they are going to respect you even more than if you tell them and what to do and express your great thoughts. They're going to respect you more. You're going to be more inspiring to them, not less, but more. Well, one of the assumptions you talk about in the book is that it's going to take too much of your time, that it's just quicker to yes. tell them what's the, the thing to do. What, what have you found around that? <laughs> well, it seems like every company I work with and client, I say, oh, gosh, Fred, we are so busy. We just, you know, it's just hair on fire all the time. And so we don't have time to do this. Well. For those people who say that, I don't say, well, that's not right. I just say, try this and see what happens. As you really think about it logically, if someone's, I call the person the doer, if the doer, the primary responsible person, which may be another leader in the organization who has responsibility for leading others to accomplish it, but they're the principal, you're not the principal quote, doer or principal person responsible. If that person truly understands what it is that needs to be done and owns it, there's going to be far less time spent on keeping that person accountable, on that person truly understanding what is going to be done and implementing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So it's will become obvious for those who who really do this that they are saving time and the more skillful they become in asking questions the faster they will be able to develop other people's best thinking i as part of this program i give will give uh, in there are four different sessions because i really want it to stick so they're In each of those sessions, I will demonstrate the use of the skills, typically with the leader of the group. And that person will bring up a real business issue, challenge, opportunity that that they are facing. In 15 minutes, that person will have new insights from themselves through my questions around how to solve that problem, how to take best advantage of that opportunity will begin to have developed a solution, a sense of the timeline, and a sense of who's going to be accountable for what. So it, it can happen surprisingly quickly once you get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that assistant, consistent accountability is one of the skills you talk about, and I, I really enjoyed reading about how you can develop a culture that 
is has that consistent accountability. Can you t- talk a little bit about how you build a culture like that in your organization? Yes, it's really the, one of the key. There are two words there, consistent accountability. Consistent is probably more important than accountability in <laughs> some sense. That's a tougher one, yeah. <laughs> People know when others, they or others get a pass. So it's, if you're not consistent about holding yourself and others accountable, it's very difficult to have an organization in which people will continually do what they say they're going to do and understand the ramifications of promising to do something that they aren't going to be able to deliver upon. So part of the way you develop a culture of consistent accountability is you uniformly ask those that are going to be accountable for whatever it is that needs to be accomplished, what it is that they're going to accomplish. What are going to be the barriers here? And what's going to be the timeline for accomplishing it and or benchmarks along the way? The other person comes up with the timelines. If the timeline doesn't match, which you think really makes sense, then you ask another question. And the question usually is around what you see as the problem with the timeline that they developed. So again, they own the timeline. It makes them a lot easier for them to be accountable. And yet, then you still have to hold them accountable. And in doing that, you're going to demonstrate your respect for them. You're going to give them the opportunity to grow in their career, have a higher level of respect for themselves, and a higher level of performance. So you get your mind around all those things, and it it does become a lot easier for virtually everybody. One of the things you talk about in developing a culture of consistent accountability is understanding the personal consequences of failure, which uh, I I was very intrigued by that. Can you talk a a little bit about that? Yes, and this was maybe a little further extension from the book also, and, and that is, When we trust another person and we give trust to another person, that person is much more likely to want to continue to earn our trust. It's much more inspiring to have somebody that trusts you and then you really want to get it done because they're clearly trusting you. And so in that process, um, you're going to want to perform much uh, much, much better. You're going to want to perform at the highest level you possibly can in order to do what you said you were going to do. Well, um, yeah, I can certainly see that. Um, I, I think one of the realms that really resonated, one of the areas or skills that you, you mentioned is talking about delegation. And I'm that's an area where entrepreneurs are typically terrible because they, we often enter into an organization where the creator of it and you get very accustomed to kind of being the go-to person because that's often how it begins. So even when the organization has hundreds of employees, it can still be an ongoing issue that leaders have. So I'm curious, uh, 
uh, how do you see it? How, what do you think would help people feel better about delegating? What kinds of things should people keep in mind around developing that skill? Yes. One of them is going back to this purpose of you want other people around you to be successful. Mm -hmm. And as you want other people around you to be successful, you're going to give them more responsibility. You're going to delegate to them. You're going to stretch them. You're going to give them trust. And they're going to want to earn it because you've given it to them even more than in maybe in a sense they've earned it. That's a tough concept for so many people to, because we all think that trust really needs to be earned before it's given. And yet if it's given before it's truly earned, you're going to gain a great deal more from it. Yeah, you know, people kind of step up to it when they realize they're being, that, that you have confidence in them. Yes, yes. The other thing is, again, you've shown respect for people when you delegate to them. And I also say to some of my clients, are you doing the work that is most valuable for you and the company? Who else should be doing this work? And that who else should be doing this work is a powerful one because it's more than one component. One component is who's maybe capable of doing it. The other one is who can grow into it. It's going back to this aspect of this is, is this really the highest use of my time? That's a hard, serious question. And as you pointed out, maybe more especially for an entrepreneur, but it's a real question that leaders should ask. Is this the best use of my time? And if it isn't, who could benefit most from doing what I am now doing and what positive impact could that have on them and the company? Well, that's a great question. And it's, it's a good one, especially because leaders are in the role of, of really often of developing people, allowing their, their staff's capabilities to evolve and grow over time. So having that kind of a thoughtful question is really powerful in identifying somebody who has the potential, even if you may not have that exact person in place yet. Mm -hmm. And there's also the aspect of, do you really want to develop people truly? And sometimes the answer to this initially may be, yeah, kind of. Do you want to have people around you that are dependent upon you? Or do you want to have people around you that can be dependent upon themselves and make an even greater contribution to the company? Mm -hmm. Do you want people to be dependent upon you or do you want people to be dependent upon themselves and make an even greater contribution to the company? So I, I, I'm curious about aspects of how all this work that you've done and that you've, you've kind of put together in the book, how is that influencing your own business? Is there a particular area that you're putting into practice in a very deliberate way right now? Uh, yes, and it, it does revolve around the book. The book actually, the skills that are 
in the leadership skills that inspire incredible results are those skills of a of a of an executive coach Mm-hmm. So these are skills that I have used for many years, and I've observed hundreds of leaders use them successfully. So helping leaders to use these skills is a primary focus uh, of my coaching practice, and the mm-hmm. book has been a, a great way already, although it just was available November 1st, uh, to help people as they develop these and hone these skills. So it's a a kind of a forum for you to practice that in your own work with clients. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Well, well, Fred, I I always wrap up these interviews with a rapid round of three questions. Are Are you game to answer those? Sure, happy to. Great. So what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact, about making a contribution with your business? Really caring about other people. In my coaching, I ask sometimes some pretty testy questions. And I am able to to do that, I figured out, because I really want the folks that I'm working with to be successful. I care about them as a person. And that makes a huge difference in having an impact. When leaders project the notion that they care about you as an individual, even above the company, uh, golly, you get a tremendous amount of inspired and highly performing people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next question is, what's the one thing you've consistently done that's contributed to your success and impact the most? This sounds uh, in some ways horrible to say in light of the book. It's developing and honing those skills that, uh, that we've been talking about, especially mm-hmm. listening, asking powerful questions, helping others develop their thinking, and genuine acknowledgement. So very quickly, this genuine acknowledgement Piece that we can easily miss the power to inspire people because you what you do is you really notice something that someone said or did and you report it to them there's no fluff there's no puff mm-hmm. you tell them what they did and it inspires them to do more of it and for those of you who aren't the entrepreneur if you have a boss please don't overlook the possibility and the, the really benefit of giving your boss genuine acknowledgments as well as your subordinates and peers. Because they're genuine, because you believe they're factual and they're specific, they're always going to be well received. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of reflecting back to the other person what you've seen, that you've you've seen that they've done this good work in whatever area it's in, and that works for everyone in the organization. Yes, and especially when you tie that to a skill that they use, that they have, mm-hmm. that inspires them to keep using that talent. Right, yeah. Well, the last question is, what's one insight or piece of advice that you'd share with someone who's listening and asking themselves, wow, how can I have more impact? How can I contribute more? What would you say to them? There's the same theme in essence that we've been talking about. Uh, 
make sure that you shine the spotlight on other people. Do your job extremely well. Be diligent. Have tremendous integrity and character. And shine the light on, on others. I, like probably millions of folks, were very intrigued by the portions of the funeral of uh, George H.W. Bush that I watched. And that was a theme of his highly successful life. And that was integrity, humility, and shining the light on others. Yeah, it's powerful to have that kind of a, an example held up for sure. Absolutely. Well, Fred, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming and talking about these skills that, that you're developing and that you're encouraging other, people's to develop, other people to develop because really we're all in a learning place. We're all in a, a growing um, kind of way of being if we're, if we're really effective. And um, I, I really enjoyed hearing your perspectives on that. So thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, isn't it just so much fun to continue to lo learn and grow regardless of what age you are and what stage you are. Absolutely. If people want to get in touch with you and they, they want to know um, how to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Well, my email address is fred.holstead, H-A-L-S-T-E-A-D, E-C, for executive coach, at yahoo.com. And my uh, web address is holsteadexecutivecoaching.com. And that will give you good information about my coaching. One can buy the book through the website and also through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and some other booksellers. Great. That was my next question. So <laughs> thank you for asking that. Well, Fred, thank you again. I really appreciate the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. You're a skillful interviewer, and I appreciate it. <laughs> my pleasure. Join us for more episodes. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll know as soon as new episodes are available. You can even help spread the word. Leave a review if you like what you've heard. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for ongoing support so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by liking the Work Alchemy Facebook page.